Okay, here we are. So here's, we're talking about the end times and people have opinions. And so what we said from the get-go is there's a whole lot of really, really smart people <laughs> that read end times prophecy and comes come to so many different conclusions. And so we've always embraced being a different church, but we've never said that different is better, uh, that different can be celebrated. Uh, and so we've boiled it down to here are the three things that as we move forward in this series, here are the three things that we're going to agree upon uh, in this end times series. It's that Jesus is coming back uh, we don't know when, uh, and we need to be ready. Last week, we talked about tribulation, uh, and that is so much fun to talk about, uh, all of the horrors that are going to come uh, at the end of days before uh, Christ finally returns. And uh, I had two very interesting conversations as I uh, left this room. And uh, the first one uh, was I left, I made a right, and I ran into Daniel Goodhue's uh, mom and dad. And they live in South Carolina. I only see them maybe 10. I've maybe seen them in t 10 times in the last like five years. And uh, Daniel's uh, mom is a sweetheart, uh, but uh, you know, she, she looked at me like a mother does and says, my son's going hiking with you, right? Your daughter uh, broke her arm hiking with you. And then looks at me and says, my son better come back. Uh, and her dad was, uh, Daniel's dad is standing right behind her, just kind of like laughing like this. And I was like, I think I'm gonna die. Like I think, like I think this is a threat. Uh, and so, little did I know that she was also warning me about me, but also warning me about Daniel because I turned my head for one second and heard, "Quick, Eric, take a picture," and got this. Well, Daniel, and this is a literally true story. Daniel found out, like, there's like a hundred foot drop there. And he's like, take a picture. And I just went, your mom is going to kill me. There will be two deaths because of this right here. Uh, and that, so that was story uh, number one out of last week. But then the second one was I was leaving this room and my son was working production, landing right up here. And he, he comes jetting out of the, the booth right there, catches me right by that pole and kind of has that like face of like, dad, let me get this straight. Uh, like, cause he heard the whole sermon and he was like, okay, dad, you're, you're talking some crazy talk right now. And he's like, but, but am I going to experience any of that? And, uh, and I was like, no, but nobody like, Hey, the re the way I read this, he, he, and he's like, yeah, rapture's going to come first. So I was like, yeah, how I, how I read this, I, I think rapture's going to come first. I, I don't think you're going to need to experience that. And he went through the whole, everything I said in the sermon again, like, so you're saying, so like this, I'm not going to experience this. I'm not going to like, and this, and this, I was like, nobody, like, I, I think you're good, but you should be, you should be aware of it. And then it was like, Okay, and he moved on like, like nothing had ever happened. I'm sure last week, many of us walked away like my son. <laughs> like, man, like there was, some, there was some talks going on. And when we have talks like this, when we hear things like that, it's so easy to leave fearful and alarmed. <laughs> There's so many in our society right now that live in an, an alarmist life. Like, oh, this is the next shoe that's going to drop. Or this is the next shoe that's going to drop. Or, or this is the person that's going to do X. Or this person is going to hurt me. Or this person is going to be the one that the prophecies have talked about. Or this, that, the other thing. We walk around fear, fearful and alarmed. But we also have truth. And I think Jesus has provided us truth so that we don't have to live fearfully in the present. Because when we live an alarmist life, we look at circumstances and somehow our circumstances get a louder voice than God himself. 
When we live in this alarmist state, fear will take our focus off of Jesus and put it on the situation before us. But Jesus has given us enough so that we can live in the present as if he is truly enough. He's given us enough to understand that we don't have to walk around with fearfully in this an alarmist type mentality because Jesus is with us in the present and he's with us in the future because he's proven it in our past. I want us to understand the future so that we can remain present in the present. And so law of the feelings and the thinking that we are struggling with right now, now in the second to last week of this series, the Thessalonians also went through. They had Paul's, Paul wrote first and second Thessalonians. One of them came first and one of them came second. <laughs> so we're going to be in second Thessalonians today. I went for, to school for this. I do numbers. Uh, and so we're going to be in second Thessalonians. Paul's writing something that they're already aware of, but because life got hard, they always started questioning what Paul had already said. Have you been there? <laughs> life gets hard. You know what you know, but life got hard. But you know what you know, but life got hard. And so here, pick it up with me in uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. It will also be on the screens. Uh, and that weekly rundown, you guys should be following along there too as well. That has some sermon helps. It also has the scripture there. It says this, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, and, and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly, quickly what? Shaken. <laughs> In mind or alarmed, either by spirit or spoken word or letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. They're walking around and life has gotten hard. They are now living in a state of being shaken. But Paul already wrote them a letter to help them not to be so shaken. But life got tough. And now they're wondering, is what Paul said garbage? And those end time things that Paul has already discussed, are we there? So Paul writes another letter as a pastor, as somebody who's nurturing and somebody who wants to clar uh, clarify some misconceptions. Listen, guys, life has highs and lows. You experience it, I experience it. We can talk about the last seven days of our lives right here in this room and we can all say, hey, this story made me laugh and this story made me wanna pull my hair out. We have a life of highs and lows and Paul is talking about here in the day of the Lord. It's not highs and lows. It's that part on the roller coaster that goes tick, 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 tick. There's no highs and lows. It's just, it goes from bad to worse and from worse to worser if that's a word. <laughs> Paul's saying, no, you haven't crossed the line into the tribulation. You're experiencing minor tribulations. Now, to be, give a little credit to the Thessalonians in that day and age, they are experiencing hard, severe persecution. <laughs> it, is the, it is something that we in our American society aren't experiencing. <laughs> they, they, this is an extreme persecution. And they're, want, they're looking around and they're hearing other people that are saying different things than Paul that's saying, hey, what is happening? This must mean that these aren't minor tribulations, that we must be in that great tribulation. And so Paul writes this letter and saying, no, it is impossible. We are not there. He, he, he walks through, if we're going to go back there to this end times uh, timeline that we, that we took from Charles uh, Swindoll, you're living here. He's reminding them, you, you want to say that you're in this tribulation period, but there's some events that would have been missed. There's things that, that come, that if you're saying, hey, you, it must be the Antichrist. It must be, it must be, hey, uh, this is, this is persecution in, in the, and the Antichrist is going to do terrible thing after terrible thing after terrible thing. Well, then guys, like, you've missed some stuff. 
He's reminded that the things that they're saying are present can't possibly be if, you, if this is how you understand it. And so Jesus is coming back. We will be gathered to him. But Paul's words are simply in the waiting. <laughs> Guys, don't be so easily shaken. Here's what I want us to understand as we work through this is that the informed Christian, that's you and I because you are here. That's you and I because you are watching. The informed Christian must not be an alarmed Christian. We must not walk around like that. We are informed for a reason so that we have enough in the present. So in in these next few verses, Paul is going to show us four areas, four key areas that we are informed so that we don't have to walk around being so alarmed. The first one is that we are informed of the defiance. He goes on to say, let no one deceive you in any way. For the day of the Lord, uh, for the day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And this Jesus is referring now to, uh, Paul is referring to the second coming, Christ's return. Uh, The man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. So he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Paul reiterates, he doubles down. In the Greek, it's a double negative. He's in essence saying, don't let anyone by any means or any method lead you astray in any way. Have an understanding. Understand that there will be a whole bunch of theories and they're all wrong. They're meant to mislead you. You know truth. You had truth in your literal hands and now you are shaken and you've lost hope and you have lost joy. Have you been there? And yet hope and joy is within us and also in our hands. Paul reminds them that you're saying, oh, we must have missed Jesus' coming or missed something. And Paul's really, hey, remember the order of events. There's this man, the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, who will be of extreme defiance. He will look at every so-called God in this world, and he will, he will get rid of all of that. He will get rid of the God, uh, our God, God Almighty himself in his own mind. He will claim to be God. He will destroy the temple. He will sit on its throne. He will bring out persecution unparalleled in history. And it's not to belittle uh, the, the horrors of, of a Stalin or the horrors of a Hitler, a stumbling block for many people who, who would want to become a Christian. They look at that and say, oh my gosh, where was God? And we're looking for it and saying, God himself is saying, it is going to be so much worse. As this man takes a, 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 a physical throne, satanically motivated with his uh, devil-motivated morality, looking for the world to honor him as the true God. There will be persecution. There will be death. This man will do what he pleases, and what he pleases is not good. And Paul is looking at them and saying, listen, you might, you might feel hopeless in the present, but the fact that you can even still have hope means the end times hasn't come because those days will be dark. So Paul's argument here is that the day of tribulation, the day of the Lord, it is not, it is not here yet for them because the man of lawlessness hasn't been revealed. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't taken that throne and, and that can be seen in a man of great defiance. And I know we would like to claim so many people of a defiant nature as that must be the Antichrist. We'll get to that in a second. But when I think about last week, we talked about how, how everything in the end times, like the road is kind of leading to that way. These concepts that we're talking about in the end times, there's fruit of that in the present. So when I think about a defiant nature of what we will see in the Antichrist, don't we see that in 2022? A defiant nature. 
I, I see it as a parent. Have you ever tried to take a cell phone away from a child? <laughs> have you told your, your child, uh, hey, tablet time's over, let me have your tablet? <laughs> they go from a peaceful, ra- farting rainbows to a demon-possessed something. <laughs> because you took something that they love away. But we are so mature as adults, right? And we do the same thing with this defiant nature. I, I, I saw the reverse when I was a youth pastor. I, I, I had two or three situations where, where I had a, a, a Christian kid and, and unbelieving parents, and I was so thankful that their parents were just like, hey, you find your own path, and if it's the church, fine, whatever, do your thing. But when the kid would get in trouble for being a kid, uh, they would take away church. They would take away youth group. They would take away Sunday mornings and things of that nature because they saw something different, and they used church as, as a punishment, <laughs> When we get something taken away from us, a defiant nature often flows out of us. I think defiance and worship go hand in hand because the second you take something away from somebody and somebody has all sorts of feels about it, they just might worship that thing. But holiness and worship also go hand in hand. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody telling them they might be spending their money poorly? The defiance that, that comes out might just be an act of worship that is not a, of holy worship. Have you ever tried to tell somebody that they might love their family more than they love Jesus or love their marriage more than they love Jesus? A defiant nature comes out even though these things are good. The point being is that what would make us defiant when we lose it might just be the thing in which we love. We'll say, I can live without it until someone asks us to live without it. Worship, worship. We all worship something. But here in a defiant nature where this Antichrist is looking for the world's worship, here's what I want to remind us today in our defiant nature. It's okay to have things, but when this becomes the object of worship, instead of worshiping God through it, worshiping God through my finances, worshiping God through my marriage, worshiping God through my family, That is the end-all, be-all, is to worship my God and grow in holiness in all those areas. The second thing that that Paul talks about is that we are informed of the delay. Do you not remember that when when I was still with you, again, he's already had these conversations uh, with you. I told you these things. And you know what is restraining him now so that he may reveal in his time. For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. There's already progression. There's already direction. Only the one who is now restrained will do so until he is out of the way. That, that Paul is saying, hey, there is a work that is restraining the devil from fully doing his work. That God uh, is going, is keeping him restrained. That even the devil has, is subject to God's sovereignty and that the devil has to work on my God's timetable. And at some point, God is not, just, is not leaving the earth, but he's going to stop restraining the evil one. The Christians will have been raptured from this earth, and the earth will be uh, in pitch darkness, as, as goodness has left in that of the church. And God will remove his restraining power from the Holy One, I'm not from the holy one, I'm from the evil one. <laughs> and a literal hell will break out on earth. The most evil man that this world has ever seen will have his way on the earth. So Paul's argument here in the delay is that the restrainer has not yet been removed. 
that there still is restraint. There is still the ability to find goodness. Therefore, the day of the Lord has not yet arrived. And we act in different ways, and uh, in, in we, we get all alarmist, right, in the delay. We would say, miss the rapture. I've been there. <laughs> we, we act certain ways in the delay. I, I was, in, in, a, in a more common way, uh, I, I was super mad at Amazon for, uh, for a long season uh, because I wasn't patient enough. Like, them sending me a package three days was no longer acceptable in my mind. Uh, and so I, I remember sitting around the staff table over there talking with Graham uh, and Mindy, and we we're like, yeah, this is, a lot of people are writing about how Amazon is getting more and more delayed. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to Walmart Plus and I was going to make a stand against the man and then I never did it because they, they own the world and so why would I leave Amazon? Uh, but uh, there was this moment where I, 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 the closest I ever came was I ordered a package and I got a notification that your package is delayed. And I got another notification that your package is delayed. Uh, and then finally it was like, well, do you still want your package or do you want to reorder it and you'll get it because we don't know what happened to it. And I was like, I'm going to Walmart. Uh, and I, and I, and I, was, I was thinking about it. And, and I, get to, I get to Wellspring Bayville and uh, Rich Jennings comes up to me. He's like, hey, are you missing any uh, Amazon packages? I was like, are you a thief? Uh, and uh, he's like, no, uh, the truck blew up. I was like, what do you mean the truck blew up? Stop speaking like that. And he's like, no, literally Friday night, uh, a guy got stuck uh, in the marsh uh, trying to do a U-turn uh, on a, one of those short little roads there uh, and got his back tires in the water, then tried getting a friend to help him out. And then something happened, something happened, and the truck caught on fire, all the packages caught on fire, and it started a small little fire in the marsh area. And I walked down there the next day, and I was like, yeah, sure enough, it's all burnt to the ground. <laughs> and, and so I understood then, like, okay, not really Amazon's fault. Like, I can be a little gracious towards them. Uh, but I was a little angry uh, in that moment, and Rich Jennings helped me understand. My point in saying this is that, yeah, there is a delay. God, though, will come back. And in the delay, some of us feel like in our immature ways that, you know what, I've got a thousand more days here on earth, and so I'll live like I have a thousand more days. But if you want to leave here and read God's word and leave here what I would think would be a mature aspect, a mature mindset in the, in, the, in the delay, it would be this. God, teach me to number my days that I may gain wisdom. To be patient that God can come back whenever he wants, but to live with urgency like it might be today. This, the third thing that, that Paul writes to us and tells us about is that we are informed of the destruction. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. Think about what was just said of my Jesus. Bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming and the coming of the lawless one by the activity of Satan with all the power and the false signs and wonders and all the wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. I am so thankful you are here as people that love truth and want to hear truth. That Jesus here, or I mean, Paul here is talking about that when the unrestrained, when, that, when now God says, I'm going to remove the, the restraint on the devil and he can have his way, that he will desecrate the temple, he will proclaim himself to be God, but guess what? His time will be short-lived. It will not be forever. But while that is a three and a half, seven-year period, with whatever number you want to use there, it will be a progression throughout the seven years with it getting really bad on the back half. It will be complete destruction. But there will be a time where Jesus comes back on the scene. This is his second coming. And he says, enough, it's over, it's done. 
And the word kill is used of my Jesus. And we walk in here and we, and we want to worship the God that is a teddy bear. And he is a teddy bear. Come to me, all the kids. Come to me, all the little ones. My Jesus is a teddy bear. But my Jesus is also a warrior. So where the Antichrist and the evil one will literally for a moment have, have complete control of the earth and all of his deception and all of his destruction, there will be a second destruction where my Jesus comes back on the scene and with his breath says, enough. And the devil is finished. John Mark Comer's book I want to plug right now and highly recommend to you guys, uh, God Has a Name. It paints that picture of the other side of my Jesus as a warrior, my God as a fighter. And he comes back as a fighter. The second coming of Christ with a mere breath. Jesus, the light of the earth, pierces the darkness and the darkness is no more. It turns on a dime. I've seen a real life example in the, in the antithesis, in the, in the opposite way uh, this past week. There was an NFL punter that was making a name for himself because he could punt the ball 70, 80 yards. A rookie uh, that was just making all the headlines uh, and punters, unless they do something wrong, they never make headlines. Uh, and so here was a guy making all the headlines as a rookie, uh, setting, I don't know if it was setting records, but being noteworthy on sports events. But this team that he was playing for knew that there was something in his past from his senior year of college that was lingering around. They drafted him. They were working through it. They didn't know it was kind of this alleged thing. But then media got hold of it, and it became a very big thing. And signs point to that, this alleged event of what he did uh, with other dudes to a minor, uh, his senior year, a uh, minor girl, uh, his senior year of college, uh, a despicable act that either he was directly involved with or somehow uh, indirectly involved with. And now he wakes up one morning having all the news headlines because he was setting these records and doing all these great things. He wakes up with no team because they cut him. And my Jesus is going to come back when everything looks like everything is going so well for the devil, for the Antichrist, his pawn here on earth. It's going to look like the devil through the Antichrist has complete control of the board until my Jesus comes shining through the clouds and with his breath says, checkmate. It's done. It's finished. I win. There's no big battle. My Jesus just opens his mouth and breathes. And things change on a dime. All hope is not lost. And that's why we as Christians, even in darkness and in hardships of life, we can come in here and we can sing, I will see a victory. Because no matter how this world, how this life ends, when it ends, for the Christian, we always see victory. The last thing that we see in this passage is that this informed uh, delusion. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe truth, but had what? Pleasure in unrighteousness. They did not believe truth. And God sees that as an act of unrighteousness. Before this final destruction, before Jesus returns his second, the second time, the Antichrist will think that he is savior. The Antichrist will make others believe that he is savior. And 
others will stubbornly reject what was repeatedly told to them and they will fall prey to the devil's deception and his delusion. They will be delusional with it. Nothing happens on earth without God's permission. And so what Jesus is saying here through Paul is that he allows this delusion to take place. And that he sees these individuals that are walking around apathetic to the truth. It's not just uh, intellectual apathy, but it's also the self-imposed blindness. It's, it's, a, it's a moral uh, divergent from God to reject the truth. And that's where we get this phrase, pleasure in unrighteousness that you and I could be seen as unrighteous, not just because of the things we do, but because of the things we choose not to believe. And there will become a time, this final point, where those that willfully chose to love their sin, believe the lies of the evil one, hate the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ, their end will be sealed. And there is a sober reality to that. The people that accept lies as if they were truth, and evil as if it were good. God will give them the end that they desire. I had this throughout this, uh, to bring it a little bit into 2022, there were, there were I, I rarely actually, I've said this before, like it actually, uh, I don't know what I thought, but people rarely ask my opinion of things. And, uh, but throughout COVID, uh, uh, I got asked my literal opinion of, of two things. And until date, it's always shocked me. Uh, people will be like, oh, like I'll come up in conversation. Yeah, I grew up in New England. I'm a big Boston sports fan. Uh-huh, my son's name is Brady, named after the goat. And they'll like, oh, so what do you think about Tom Brady, huh? <laughs> How was it that when he won the Super Bowl? That must have stunk. And they asked my opinion of Tom Brady. I was like, you just heard my son's named after him, right? Like, you're like kind of making fun of my son right now and kick him in the shin. And, uh, and so, but then the second thing that I get asked my opinion a lot and it were through COVID was, hey, is the vaccine, like, that's the mark of the beast, right? You think it's the mark of the beast? You, you, think, you, think, it's, you think it's the, it's the, it's the mark of the beast, right? It's like, no, I, I don't think that, but I guess some do. And, uh, and I started thinking about that this week, about like how like when we lose sight of an end times uh, timeline and thinking that we can bring all sorts of delusion into the present. I started Googling this week on my computer, uh, President blank uh, Antichrist question mark. <laughs> it's a fun Google search. Uh, and so uh, President Biden, Antichrist question mark. Millions of articles. Uh, President Trump, Antichrist, question mark. Millions of articles. President Obama. And I started going, boom, boom, boom. And you just type in Clinton, Antichrist, and you get a whole slew of things. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, you have to go all the way back. <laughs> you guys can do your own Google search when you get home. It's a wild Google search. But when you get to Carter, uh, there's not as many uh, articles about him being the Antichrist because uh, I guess he just was a good person or something. I don't know. But uh, Carter's where it ends, I guess. Uh, but every president after Carter, uh, there are millions of articles about so-and-so being uh, the Antichrist. There is a level of delusion to that. <laughs> because what we are saying here, if you were to go back to this timeline, uh, Chloe, go back there for just a hot second. We're not going to know who the Antichrist is. <laughs> The Antichrist's number one thing is that he's going to fool the earth. And we think we're going to guess? <laughs> the mark of the beast is going to happen here. Not here, 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 
we won't be there. So yes, we should be aware, because like we said, we're holding our theology in this world a little bit loosely here, that yes, we're open to that. Man, if God shows up, okay, we want to be aware, but I'm pretty firm in my own belief that this is how it plays out. So I'm not going to walk around like an alarmist, like, oh, this must be the, this must be the mark of the beast. <laughs> this next president must be the Antichrist. <laughs> this world leader must be the Antichrist. I don't see it playing out like that. But yet the more we talk about this outside the church, this crazy talk, <laughs> guess what the world thinks? <laughs> crazy people talk crazy talk. <laughs> so stay steady. Jesus is truly enough. And if you, if you believe that, then you can live like he's enough in the present. Here's what we've said uh, today. Uh, we've said that the informed Christian must not be an alarmed Christian. And so what are we informed? And we're informed of the coming defiance, the, coming, uh, the delay, uh, the destruction, and of the delusion. <laughs> like the Thessalonians, many of us walk in here and we're confused about the times, but yet we have truth at our fingertips. And so the reminder is to know what the Bible teaches about the future and how it has important implications in our present, how we can walk around with a level of confidence that Jesus is enough. If you're fuzzy about the way the end times play out, then you're going to look at the present and you're going to get focused on the Antichrist. You're going to get focused on the mark of the beast. You're going to get focused on all these uh, political thing, political thing, political thing, or world leader thing, or this event over here, and you're going to be all over the place instead of just that old song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. It has a way of making everything just work out. Staying steady because my Jesus is steadfast. When we have an understanding of how the end plays out, we simply keep our focus on Jesus and we anticipate the return of our King. I want to I end with this, that this letter, just the fact that this letter was written is proof that it's good that we have each other. Because the Thessalonians weren't the only ones experiencing persecution. Persecution was happening around the world. Uh, the Thessalonians weren't the only ones uh, uh, struggling with, are these the end times? The Thessalonians, like, they, this wasn't necessarily unique to them, but Paul had a relationship with them. Paul had already written a letter to them. And so it was, it was actually God's grace that there was an encounter. It was God's grace that they had known each other and that Paul cared enough to not write a letter to, to the whole world right then and there, but specifically to the Thessalonians because he cared about them and he had a, relational, uh, a relationship with them to, to invest into them and say, hey, you guys are going all over the place. Say, oh, let's just sit down and talk through a letter. Let's not go all these crazy places. And I, I want to close with that. This past week... Uh, I experienced something that, you know, usually starts as a joke, but a, a pastor, a marine biologist, a firefighter, and some guy that I think invents things, I still don't know what he does, uh, walked into the woods and went for a hike. And they're better for it. And this is a, a picture from my house in New Hampshire because uh, you, if, if you don't feel old, like if you're in, like if you're a kind of that midlife crisis range like me, uh, go hiking with a 26-year-old. Um, yeah, I wanted to leave him on the mountain. Uh, and so uh, we all go hiking, highs and lows, everybody there. On paper, nothing in common except for Jesus. Highs and lows, we could laugh, we could cry. We could talk about things we struggle with and things that bring us joy. 
we all have our different struggles. We all have our different lows. And, and we, we asked them, I asked them this one question. I was like, hey, if I'm going to spend three days with you, there, there better be a spiritual purpose for it. Uh, and so I asked them all. I gave them all a journal. And we asked this one question of all of ourselves. If God had complete control of your life, what would change? And so I'm going to ask you guys a question as I think about how we are better together through these troubling times. This question is simply this. If you let God, if you trusted God with your future, and you trusted that he has complete control of your future, what would change in your present? If you trusted that God had complete control of your future, what would change in your present? And so I'm going to close with the exact same challenge that we had last week because it all circled around being together with people, that we are better together. And so challenge one, as we pursue community like he's coming tomorrow, is to join a life group this week, Tuesday, the good hues. Uh, you can remind Daniel when you show up to his uh, life group on Tuesday uh, that he's an idiot. Uh, for hanging off the side of a mountain uh, because the pastor and the chairman of our elder team almost died at one event. And I say that kiddingly, uh, but uh, do go to his life group. Or you can join Ava if you have, especially if you have kids in youth group age, uh, to uh, join me with the youth group and Ava will be leading a life group. And uh, that's another thing on Wednesday nights that you can participate. And then we have the Raj life group. Uh, we have a life group on Thursdays with some of the women that I, I think is a good time. Uh, they act like... They're here, uh, and so uh, join them on Thursdays, and uh, they're a very welcoming group. And, uh, and so then uh, secondly is what Graham mentioned in the very beginning. Pray for one like it's the last one. Take part in the upcoming uh, CK. Next week we're doing a race day. We're going to be here to, uh, next week celebrating that Jesus is coming back. There's a thing called this millennial kingdom and then God's forever reign. It's like we go from darkness to, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. And so we're gonna celebrate next week of all of the goodness of what is to come. And at the same time, we're gonna be a light in a dark world. Let me pray. God, I thank you for this morning. Lord, as we, I think, sing the song, Living Proof, as we reflect about our job here now in the present age to be light in the midst of darkness, that there's still a job to do in the present, Father, would, would we trust you in the now? Would we trust you with our future? And would we trust you enough to be changed by that truth and to walk differently in light of it? We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Let's sing.